Welcome to Getting Work to Work, a weekly podcast exploring the creative and curious world of work through monologues and conversations with creative entrepreneurs, storytellers, and change makers. If you've enjoyed my conversations in the past with Goff of Beer Nuts Productions, you might recognize today's guest as someone I often talk about because his acting and characters make me laugh. That's right, people, it's Al Gibson, actor, musician, and Australian purveyor of creative wisdom and insight. From his curiosity about how things work and taking things apart, to copying people's voices to make sense of the world, Al talks about his approach to acting and creativity. He also touches on the importance of having a diverse career path, learning to take compliments, overcoming adversity, and learning how to get out of his own way and out of his comfort zone. Show notes and links to all the good stuff mentioned in this episode can be found at gwtw.co slash 742. And we'll have Zoom's crappy audio, and then we'll have our beautiful audio, and the angels will descend from heaven, and all of the podcasters out in the world will be like, oh my God, these guys are professional. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When really uh, underneath, just absolutely like 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 a duck underwater, the the, the feet are just going nuts under there. <laughs> oh, exactly. Isn't that just the world of technology right there? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's it. I live in the chaos, um, which I don't really have much choice, unfortunately, because I've got at least like five ideas going through my head all the time, or thoughts, I should say. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's why I'm calm in a crisis. <laughs> I love it. Well, and and what I love about that is, isn't that just creativity when we have so many things running through our head that, you know, we we got to keep them going. Yes, I, I think so. Um, like for me, uh, I mean, I'd love to. I'd love to say that that I follow through on absolutely everything that I do, um, but as you you probably know, it's it doesn't. Because um, I've listened to your podcast, by the way, I've, I've listened to quite a few episodes, and and you articulate a lot of um, your thoughts really, really well. Whereas I've found that I I skip ahead. Um, and come in halfway through a conversation (laughs) (laughs) expecting people to know what the hell I'm talking about. Can't you just track along with me? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Can can you guys just like, I don't know, um, do whatever I'm doing? (laughs) Can you, can you think like me, please? Actually, that's what I tried to do with the kids, but they weren't, they weren't on board with it. (laughs) That when I first got married to my wife, we, had a lot of challenges because I would be that way. Like I would have these thoughts and I would have the conversation in my head yeah, and then, yeah, I, yeah. then I would pick up in the middle. And so I've had to learn how to like start at the start yes. as opposed to start in the middle. And, and yeah. it's, it is a challenge though. Uh, it is. And it's a challenge for a lot of people around me as well. Um, uh, but, but yeah, I, uh, if I stay mindful about stuff like that, I'm actually not too bad. I'm a much better communicator verbally than I am through text, as you found out. <laughs> nah, you're great. <laughs> it's just a word salad comes through. <laughs> and it'll like I'll start with, yeah, I'd love to do your podcast and then end on Melbourne Cup horse racing. It's like, I don't even know how we got there, but it seemed natural to me. So, <laughs> Well, 
to your defense though, it was natural to me because I'm like, that makes complete sense. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) so maybe with the fact that both of us start in the middle, you'll end at the end. I'll start at the beginning. We'll meet somewhere. Yeah. And And we'll finish each other's thoughts. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Al, welcome to getting work to work. Finally, I have been enjoying your work with Beer Nuts Productions since I met you as the snooty art critic. The snooty art critic. Yes, that's right. Welcome. I'm I'm so glad to have you here. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you so much. And thank you for your really uh, kind words, I'll call it, <laughs> uh, over the past podcast, every time you talk to Goff. Because he's, he's a good guy and it, it, the culture in Australia is we like to put each other down or have a go at each other. So, you know, I heard him the other day. I heard that interview. He said he's going to crush me like an ant. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he's going to crush me like an ant. Oh, okay. No, yes. I wouldn't worry if I were you then because he can't even crush an <laughs> iPhone. So <laughs> he jumped up and down on it. <laughs> Well, we, we I have kind of an insight into the way that you think, the way that you approach your work, but what are mm-hmm. you endlessly curious about? Um, just how, how things work. If I, if I get an idea in my head that I want to really pursue, I'll, I'll go for it and then I'll just start um, visually like learning how to do that sort of stuff. So I don't know, I pull things apart, but I guess acting's like that too because you're analyzing a character, you're analyzing text and things. So yeah. Yeah, pulling pulling things apart to see how things work. Oh, interesting. That's what I like to do. But it, and in that, that sort of fuels the creative process in my head as well. Because like I'll get that idea and look at it and go, well, why didn't they do that? Um, mm. And then sort of go down that sort of path. Like I probably a bad example, but like I, I'm really good at teaching myself new things. So mm. um, I, I took a you know the the recliner rocker chairs. Uh huh. Uh, yeah, I, I got one um, for free. This uh, lady was throwing one out. I stripped it all back down to its mechanisms and I rebuilt it from the ground up into a, like a, <laughs> oh, wow. a deck chair. Yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a deck chair that reclines and it's got the footrest and it rocks and, and everything as well. So I took a really comfortable chair and made it less comfortable, basically. So- <laughs> <laughs> right. Have you always been able to do that? I think so. I, I, I've always had a real curiosity for it. I mean, I, you know, I fail a lot <laughs> at stuff. Uh, as, and But I guess if you don't fail, you don't learn. Right. You know, it, it's like, like comedy when you do stand-up. If you don't bomb, you're not learning anything. <laughs> right. Trust me, I've, I always I've, find I've, I've learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I always find that interesting too because in the creative world today, it seems like, you can't talk about failure. You can't experience failure. There's this real aim toward perfection. Yeah. Uh, and, and I love that there's the reality is though, I love what you just said. If you're not bombing, you're not learning. Yeah, exactly. I, um, I think uh, because I, I kind of got addicted to a lot of um, social media um, videos <laughs> And, and every once in a while you'll see someone that's, that actually does say you have to fail in order to mm-hmm. succeed. And a lot of people think that failure is not an option, but, but it is sometimes, you know, it, it's just, you just got to learn. And it, um, I'm uh, extremely hard on myself. 
uh, as well. Um, so like I have a very healthy dose of imposter syndrome. So like um, it, it, I, yeah, so my process is it'll go from, and, and I think you've covered this in your podcast as well, I'll go from idea to wait a sec and then start thinking it out and then go, no, this is possible. <laughs> and then to like, oh, no one wants to see that shit. So (laughs) 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 move on (laughs) next. (laughs) Yeah. It's so amazing how we can like shut ourselves down before we even start. Yeah, exactly. And that's why acting is really good for me. I think because I don't have to come up with the script. I don't have to come up with the idea. I'm using other people's texts, which is why I, really respect the the script um so i don't all i have to do is just like interpret what's happening on the page and then just bring whatever you know i do to that and hopefully it's good <laughs> and even then i will talk myself down <laughs> so yeah, oh interesting yeah here we go oh and you'll come across like everyone's happy everyone's good look good sound good yeah and then you go fuck fuck i really wish i <laughs> oh, i just don't like how i said that <laughs> So, yeah. How do you get out of your head at that point then and be able to enjoy the moment? I still don't know. I think every once in a while is I will have a rare and beautiful moment where I'll catch myself doing that and just go, dude, just relax. You know, enjoy it, which is a really good thing to tell myself because as soon as I do that, everything starts flowing. It's conversational and, and uh, yeah, once I've taken that, that pressure off myself, and realize that no one cares. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Oh, no one, no one, no one is thinking yeah. what I'm thinking. Uh, and and I think that I have to remind myself of that all the time. Um, yeah, otherwise I'm just going to be a, a raging mess. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and I imagine too. I'm not an actor by any means. Oh, I and saw, I, I saw you I working imagine- the last uh, the last episode, the last uh, <laughs> film with Goff. <laughs> well it's it's funny because i sent it to a buddy of mine he's like that doesn't sound like you man i'm like yeah he sped me up because i went over the minute (gasps) oh is that what it was yeah (laughs) (laughs) at least that was my assumption because i'm like yeah that sounded a little bit off (laughs) yeah yeah i'm I'm sorry i I didn't mean to uh, interrupt you as well so but you said you're not an actor oh it's all good oh not an actor but i imagine you know there's a, a when when you're stuck in your head and when you're beating yourself up, mm. I imagine that translates on on camera more than you imagine. It really does. Yeah, yeah, I found that too. Um, I can look at either auditions or or um, or just you know stuff that I've done. I look at it and go, I oh, know I'm just trying to remember shit right there. <laughs> I like I like <laughs> I, I've paused like I actually meant to, but it's like I'm just trying to remember the. The text, <laughs> the, uh, the the Joey Tribbiani smell the fart acting. Yes. <laughs> that's a new type of method. Acting, yeah, right? but uh, but I love the cat. I love the character stuff too because I, I love doing things that aren't me. So yeah, it's always fun. Yeah, I bet. Well, and and I, I would find it hard to not become the character. Because at, at times, I think I would get carried away sometimes if I were an actor. But I think that's great. That's that's where the magic happens. You know, there, there's, um, you know, so many stories about 
Sean Penn and Robert De Niro all being method mm-hmm. actors and, you know, people getting in their space. Or, or was it uh, – I can't, the guy who played uh, Lincoln, oh, I should know this one. <laughs> oh, Daniel Day-Lewis. That's it, Daniel Daniel Day-Lewis. I was thinking of Defoe. But, like, you know, and people coming into a space and they want him to call him, you know, like Mr. President or whatever. Um, I don't think I'll ever go that far, but I really do like the, the fact that they immerse themselves in that character. And I, I've heard Goff talk to you about when I was doing voiceover and stuff like that. Like for me, I think of a voice first and that informs what kind of character it's going to be. Um, like the thing with Goff is they're all Australian characters. So, uh, <laughs> right. uh, which is, which is lucky because, you know, there's a huge pool of types to, to, uh, to, to, to draw on. But I, I love doing accents and, and everything like that too. So just uh, I, I think it just sort of stems from my childhood and enjoying pretending uh, being someone else. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. When you see someone like Jack Fraudulence, <laughs> yeah. who is teaching horse race commentating, yep. <laughs> like where, where does the voice start for you? Like, is it trying out different accents? No, this one was really easy for me um, because I'm really exaggerating my own Australian accent in that one and a little bit nasal, like as an actor here called Michael Caton. You, you ever seen the movie um, <laughs> The Castle? You know, that, oh, how's that <laughs> serenity, love? <laughs> He's, um, <laughs> and the reason why is like, if you ever listen to horse racing commentary, they they all sound they're all up here and they're off and uh, you know um or was it Harry's knob is at the front and uh, followed up by punning from the rough, so you know they just they speak fast <laughs> and they've got this nasal tone about them. So yeah, and he was the first actor that came to mind and 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 dressing like a geography teacher was the idea with that too. So because whatever I was wearing, God, and it, it really does not take much to make me look bad physically <laughs> and um i remember like going back to high school we had teachers that dressed like that like you know long socks yeah. and you know a business shirt with a really shit tie <laughs> and you know like tucking tugging the, their pens into their sock or whatever it's just yeah crazy yeah 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 <laughs> gibson pick up that bloody rubbish mate don't back chat me <laughs> yeah so yeah so the voice always sort of seems to um inform what kind of character it's going to be for me. And I send it to Goff and he goes, yep, that's good. <laughs> I loved how seamless you were able to go from your everyday voice into the character. Like that's seamless for you. Um, thank you. Yeah, that's good. Well, I, I, one, I've been doing it all my life, um, not knowing that, that, you know, it might actually be useful one day but uh but yeah you do and and in australia too because we've got a lot of american productions over here um you have to go from an australian accent into an american accent that's just flawless so you know you have to have a really good one it's got to be 100 percent all the time so you mentioned you've been doing voices your whole life so you you've been an actor your whole life yeah i guess so before i before i knew it yeah i mean i haven't still haven't turned it into much money yet but yeah (laughs) But I've done a few things, um, like entertainment-wise. I've had to be diverse. Um, but, yeah, um, I, I used it when I was doing stand-up. Um, and uh, what was the one thing I was doing? Oh, yeah, just different accents and stuff like that. It was parts in the routine that, that had it, like a South African accent. You know? 
um, because I was making fun of the way that South Africans say eyes, where you say, how do you say eyes? I. I, right? In South, Afri- in South Africa, it's ours. Look into my ours. Um, but in Australia, we don't say ass, we say ass. So, so when they say look into my ass, <laughs> to me that's, that's hilarious. Yeah. It is hilarious. And, and, and the way they say ice cream is ice cream. <laughs> I used to do this like five minute bit with um, uh, Thomas the Tank Engine. And I think in America, um, you had a different narrator. And in in the UK, and certainly in Australia, it was um, Ringo Starr, I think. And so, you know, like for five minutes, I wrote a whole Thomas the Tank Engine story <laughs> and, and just did it, presented it in that voice. But it's like Thomas the Tank Engine was doing some really depraved stuff. <laughs> you know? So it wasn't kid-friendly. <laughs> So let me know if I'm rambling too, man, because it's just one incoherent thought after another with me. (laughs) What's great about it, though, Al, is like I'm getting an insight into just all of the things that you do, all of the ways you approach creativity. And I think that's awesome because what I'm getting from you is is you've got all these ideas, all these thoughts bubbling through your head. And while that could be perceived as a negative thing, as a character actor, as creative, I yeah. mean, that's powerful. Yeah. Well, as a kid, I, I used to get in trouble because um, I, I now know, um, because I, I'm pretty sure I'm on the spectrum, I, I, I mean, of sorts. I mean, I do have ADHD, but whatever else I've got, I don't know. But I only recently heard, I don't even know how how I've only just heard of this, but echolalia. So I think that... <laughs> Copying people's voices and and accents was me making sense of the world. Like I remember, my parents took me to the US in in nineteen seventy eight when I was nine years old, and um, I'd never heard American accents uh, in the wild. You know, I, not on you know <laughs> American accents, and it was it was not. It was not jarring, but it was fascinating. And so everywhere we went in America, I'm listening to people's vo- and then I just started repeating back how that how I thought they sounded. And my parents were just like uh, ultra embarrassed because they thought I was mm-hmm. making fun of them. And so no, I'm actually fascinated. And I, I do get I still get into trouble when I hear people say mm-hmm. something that it, it sounds interesting, and I'll I'll repeat it back in this what to me sounds like the same pitch and the same tone and the inflections and and uh, people think I'm, I'm making fun of them. But the, the reason I do it is because I, I just, I, I really found it so interesting that I wanted to reproduce it, you know. Yeah. And, and people's voices, like, um, oh, like you know, every, the, the best impressions are, are the really, you know, like unique voices. Um, that, that art critic, that was, that was a cross between Patrick Stewart and um, and <laughs> this guy in Australia, um, David, I think it's Palmer. Oh no, Margaret Palmer. David, I, I can't, I can't remember his last name. I'm I'm terrible with names, but yeah, um, because they've got just really unique voices and characteristics. So, you know, like um, I mean, I'm I'm starting to look more like Patrick Stewart now because I shaved my head. Space, the final frontier. 
These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, um, it, it, it's fun. And I used to annoy the shit out of my, my friends doing impressions of cartoons, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a favorite go-to cartoon character? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> All the time. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I won't tell you what what grade I was in when I first saw Ren and Stimpy, but uh, they were pretty hilarious. When I first saw that cartoon, I thought, thank God for that. Like, cartooning is coming back. <laughs> it's coming back. But, yeah. But yeah. And the voices and that. Sounds like the car- the creator of it was an asshole. But, yeah, he know, was. The, the, the cartoon is great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, his vision was great. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't make you a nice person, <laughs> but yeah. No. Um, but that's where I sort of first heard of um, Billy West, who who ended up doing the voices uh, and all that sort of stuff. And then, like, because he's he does a lot of work on Futurama and, and well, everywhere basically. Oh, Billy, he was on the Howard Stern show. That's where he started, I think, wasn't it? Really? Oh, I didn't know that. I, I I think so. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. I think he was the he was the guy who was doing all the impressions in the in the studio i'll fact check you i uh, yeah i i heard you're pretty good <laughs> at, at that sort of stuff <laughs> sometimes <laughs> yeah so i um and even I, I still do it now you know um there's a there's an app i don't know if i'm allowed to mention it or whatever but um it's called it's a navigation app called Waze. Mm-hmm. A- and i recently found out that you can record your own voice to give directions oh that's cool and, um, and so I just did, I went through the whole thing and, uh, I did the whole thing as Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> and, um, so I was like, Stimpy, when you get to the roundabout, turn left. <laughs> aye, aye, Captain. <laughs> so, oh, your Stimpy is great. <laughs> um, thank you. Yeah. It's like, um, I can't, I can't even remember half the shit I put in there, but it was just, yeah, I, I, I I, I used to, like I said, I, I annoyed the hell out of my friends because, again, I just found those those voices just really, really interesting. Yeah, uh, and, and Stimpy is a good one because he's just such an imbecile, and uh, yeah. it, it's it's a fun one. But I also did another one where I just abused the shit out of myself in my own voice because I just think of like if you were really in the passenger seat being a navigator, you know, you what. Dude, you missed the turn off. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, so I, I'd record that. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, you missed the turn off. Now what? Now what? You're on the middle of the highway. Do a U turn yeah. right now, you piece of shit. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. I mean, that's that's exactly what I would do if I wasn't like even 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 when I'm not in the uh, the the passenger seat. That's how that's the inner dialogue in my head anyway. Like I am my own worst critic and I'm so hard on myself like I don't think anyone else in in, um, in the world is going to call me a, a, a dickhead for putting the milk on the wrong shelf in the fridge but I'll call myself that I will just really <laughs> sink the boot in <laughs> right oh, I I can't relate to that at all Al I mean it's it's amazing how mean we are to ourselves it's it's crazy like if you if you talk yeah. if I talk to people the way I talk to myself I would, I'd be very lonely. (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious. I've heard a little bit about it from Goff's perspective, finding Mm -hmm. talent. What's it like, you know, getting cast on, 
films and programs in Australia from an actor's perspective? It's like you've just received the golden ticket, mm-hmm. even for small parts, because, uh, well, particularly with the writer strike that just just went, uh, it's always a good feeling. It's always good when you get it. It just sort of, but it means that there's a lot of hard work is paying off as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the process, um, you just got to think of new ways, creative ways to stand out. Like I, I have, um, I've been shortlisted for a couple of things, um, before the writer's strike. I'm not sure if they're still going ahead yet, but that's always a good feeling because it means that whatever you did stood out. So, um, and, and, and I think the auditions are getting more and more creative, um, as well, uh, with self-taping. Uh, and I've learned not to do a hundred takes, uh, you know, cause you get really sick of looking at yourself after a while. <laughs> right. But yeah, it's, um, it's sometimes it's hard to stay positive as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Goff's audition process is like actually a, a, a really, it's a relief because he wants you to read because he's got I, I guess uh, not, not a unique perspective, but he, he does have the perspective that because he's legally blind and he's relying on the sound of, of, of how you're delivering um, a line. So he, he, get, he goes, don't worry about memorising it, just we'll read. I'm like, great. Because, <laughs> yeah. And I think, he's, I think he's mentioned to you that he hates improvisation mm-hmm. as well. And I think the first time I went and auditioned for him, I was learning lines and I thought, oh my god, I'm so unprepared. And I thought, oh maybe, maybe, maybe he'll um, he'll let me, um, you know, improvise. And then he, he said on the phone, I hate improvisation. I was like, okay, <laughs> all right. So pull my finger out, started learning everything properly, and then uh, the, the huge relief was like, oh, no, you can read it, mate. It's fine. So uh, yeah, the, for, auditioning for him is is uh, a lot less harrowing. Than, than seeing um, most of the casting directors in my town. Mm. I imagine too that the more that you get comfortable in the reading process in auditioning, it affects how you approach other auditions as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Casting directors don't give you any feedback at all. Um, the only feedback that you'll get is the fact that you didn't get the part. You you can ask for feedback. They hold a lot of workshops and a lot of lot of classes telling, oh no, ask us, email us. It's it's fine, but it's it's not. That's frustrating. <laughs> um that well, well that's the well, that's the impression. I mean, like, don't don't get me wrong, there's some great casting directors in, in uh Brisbane, if they're listening. Uh, <laughs> I heard there's about seven good ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, going back to just one of the things that you were saying too, um before. In Queensland in Australia, it, which is a, a very large state. But casting directors, like, because we get a lot of, like I said, American productions and we get a lot of Australian productions that are done in Queensland as well. But they only hire a very small percentage of Queensland actors because they're only required to fill a certain amount of hours with Queensland uh, workforce. And workforce covers crew and it also covers actors and it covers anyone that's Australian. So if they've already filled their quota with crew, they don't care oh. uh, how, like, they don't care so much for, for the acting thing. Um, 
it's a complex issue and I'm probably under explaining it, but there's a lot of roles that go to other states like Victoria and New South Wales because there's also a perception that if it's Queensland, we're backward. We're kind of, we're the Alabama of, uh, <laughs> of Australia. <laughs> sorry, Alabama. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't mean to upset you. <laughs> but... <laughs> That was a good accent on them. <laughs> oh, believe me, they'll be going, I ain't no Alabama accent. <laughs> Piece of shit from Australia. I'll find you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Them fighting words. Let's fight. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, so uh, a lot of, like, I don't know, are you familiar with the show Neighbours? Uh, it's been a very long-running um, drama. It sounds familiar, but I don't know if it's, it, it's more popular in the UK. And uh, it was sort of so it, it's set in Melbourne. And fair enough, like they've, they've you know they're going to hire Melbourne actors, but they don't want like you know there's a lot of actors in Queensland who have to leave Queensland to go to New South Wales and Victoria to become successful or noticed. And they're told even in university like that you're going to have to leave Queensland if you really want to succeed. And it's just, it's a, a it's a, a broken system. If it starts in, a, in a, a learning institution where they're actually telling you, well, we're teaching it here in Queensland, but, you know, you might want to just leave <laughs> if you want to want to do something else. Wow. So, yeah, they, they, so, um, sorry, it's my dog. Um they do invest in, in, in local crew and talent. They, they do. And, and COVID was really good uh, in a way. I hate to say that, but, but it was really good in Queensland because we were all locked into one state. And so they had to use Queensland talent. And, and it did actually get um, a few people noticed and recognised. And I got into a couple of NBC shows and, and it was with small parts. Um, I think uh, Young Rock and um, Joe versus Carol. Okay. And, and uh, but then when the borders opened up again, it was just straight back to the status quo, unfortunately, mm. which was a bit of a gut punch. That sounds like it. Sorry, I will answer your questions, but expect that, that we'll probably move on three questions. And I'll go, oh, that reminds me. I'll, I'll, I'll answer the last question. <laughs> what kept you from not going to a new place? What kept you where you're at? Uh, that's a really good question. I really like where I live because I, I, I live in a, a little um, coastal town uh, called Redcliffe and it's I'm 300 metres from the sea. Um, it's, it's just a really good lifestyle here. I own my own house as well. Nice. Which, well, I'm still paying it off. Aren't we all? So I, I think it's the, st- the stability that I've carved out for myself here because I'm not, I don't just act as well. So I've had to be, um, I've had to be diverse as I mentioned earlier. So I've been a musician for well, since 1990 was when I actually like really took it seriously. And uh, so even though I've had day jobs in between there and raised a family and, and got married and all this stuff, um, I was, that my, my constant has been music. And um, so over the years, um, that sort of morphed into uh, voice acting and then that sort of morphed into uh, writing and that morphed into um, 
other things like uh, stand-up comedy as well, um, which which I was, I was a, a paid comedian, which is important. It's an important <laughs> distinction to make. <laughs> yes, it is. You're not just a, you're not just a comedian. You're a paid comedian. You're paid for your jokes. Goff uh, was doing stand-up years ago as well, so he knows a lot of the same people. And it's funny, like. Uh, you go, hey, do you know this guy? I go, yeah, what a dickhead. I don't like it. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's always, always got a story about someone. Um, but, yeah, so I, I've had to be diverse. And that, turn, you know, a lot of things turn into um, the, the stand-up comedy, turn into um, being able to MC corporate events and MC weddings and, and that sort of stuff. So um, it has really served me well over the years because um, – when I, I and I hide it, I try to hide it as much as I can on screen, but it it doesn't always happen. Is I I, I lost my ring finger on my left hand, which is if you're a guitarist, is death. Right, like that is a that's um, you feel like you've, you like your life is over. Yeah, and I I, I did it uh, water skiing about nearly nine years ago now, and uh, I, I was married at the time. And uh, my wedding ring uh, tore my finger off, like just absolutely. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it, and it happens like in a like an absolute split second. So while I'm waiting for the ambulance to arrive, um, I'm just sitting there staring at the bone sticking out of my hand, and uh, I, I've gone into this crisis mode where I go, okay, um, okay, so I can't play guitar, but I can still sing. Uh, I can write, uh, I can still do stand up, I can still do this, I can still, and like, so I'm, I've gone into damage control in this moment of crisis, like trying to calmly think. Um, and what I've since learned is uh, having a adult um, diagnosis of ADHD, um, I, I understanding why I'm actually calm in a crisis is because um, we live in the chaos in our heads all the time. And so when an actual crisis does present itself, it's so funny because it's not, it's not funny. I lost my finger, but it's funny because, because you were just like really calm. But if I, if I can't, if I put something down and forget where it is, I'm like, oh, fuck, fuck. I'm so angry at myself. <laughs> but my fingers are all going, yeah, okay, no, I can still write. No, that's good. No, yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, let me post about this on social media. Um, oh, should you ring your wife first? Nah, she'll find out. It's okay. She, <laughs> but, and that's when the narrator comes in and goes, but no, it was not all right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It'll be pretty obvious. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh Unfortunately, um, a week and a half later, we separated. Oh, man. So my wife and I, and um, that was the end of that chapter. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. One-two punch. Yeah, that was, uh, that was, a, it was a, yeah, it was a, it was a time, <laughs> you could say. Now, did you, did you go on to relearn to play guitar without the ring finger? Absolutely. Yeah, I did um, because I had to. Uh, I've learned in life that things are a lot easier when you have no choice. Mm. So not playing is, wasn't a choice. And I remember um, when I came home from the hospital, I had a cast and everything. And, and uh, when I took the cast off, I went home, uh, picked up a guitar, played a few open chords just to see what I could do, and then I put it down. Because I didn't want to know what I couldn't do. 
mm. until I actually did a gig. So I foolishly, uh, I say foolishly, it worked out well, but I, but it was painful and it was exhausting. But I did a gig um, two weeks after. Oh it wow! Uh, and wow, yeah, because I, I really needed to know what I couldn't do. Yeah, and it turns out that it wasn't much. So as as painful as it was, it, there wasn't a lot that I couldn't do that I was doing before. And in a lot of ways, I think it actually made me um, a much better guitarist as well um, because it's sort of, you know, ra- rather than sort of wallowing in self-pity, I just had to get on and, and, and you know, I, I continue making a living. Um, yeah, without without sort of, I, I, I don't know, um, the, the 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 downside of it though was I didn't really grieve very long, and so, mm-hmm. in fact, I didn't grieve at all until about maybe five months later, and then I just had a complete breakdown. <laughs> so, understandably so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, just so much was happening, and uh, right. um, but yeah, after that, I you know um, I continued playing, and the, you know um, discovered that I could play and support myself and sing and play guitar and uh, didn't have to rely on people, which is, you know, that's great too, but um, it's also good playing with a live band. So the guys I play with um, are brilliant musicians uh, and actually we're playing this weekend. So oh, nice. it's just good. Five Feast Live. Yeah. <laughs> it makes a change. Um because I sort of taught myself playing and I was doing stand-up and I met there's a, there's a comedian in Australia called Greg Fleet. Uh, he has been around for many, many years um, for, and he's famous and infamous. <laughs> uh, like he's one of those lovable rogue kind of guys. And he, um, he hired me to go down to the Adelaide Fringe Festival in I think about maybe 2018. And he rekindled my interest in uh, acting because like the, 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 the fringe festivals in, in Australia are kind of a big deal. Like, so you've got the Adelaide fringe festivals, like a comedy festival, but there's a lot of other things that are going on as well. And, and the Melbourne comedy festival, but sort of same, same thing as well. And Brisbane has one as well, but it's just not as widely recognized yet. And, uh, and so he took me down there. And uh, yeah, that, that got me interested in acting again. And so I realized that I was just bullshitting my way through the acting thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> and like anything, like art is even though we create and we can't really explain the process, in some ways it is, it's still work. It's still a, um, it's a job in a way. I mean, not, not, not to the fact where it's laborious or anything like that. Mm. This, it's still a task to be done in some ways and it's still to be taken seriously. And that's where, that's when I just sort of started thinking, oh, okay, I'm going to stop bullshitting my way through everything and then started doing things. And what do you know? Start, things started happening <laughs> when you follow through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. So I know I've, I've, it's taken me, it's taken me a long time to get from A to Z in this, wow. in this conversation of one question, but, but, um, that's, that's the process in my head, I guess. Um, so yeah, I've just learned now that if I, if I not only take myself a little more seriously with, with that kind of stuff, but also listen to what people are telling me because people don't go from, um, go to anger straight away sometimes 
they'll, they want to communicate what they want out of you, mm-hmm. like being calm and articulate, and then there's sarcasm, and then there's muted rage, <laughs> which is which, goth. <laughs> Passive-aggressiveness. Go, goth's you know, funny. Look, it. hey, the guy knows what he wants. Oh, no, no, he's not passive-aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious about something because the first thing that came to mind when when you were telling the story about losing your finger was Tony Iommi. Black yeah, Sabbath, yeah, yeah. Where you know he cuts the fingertips off his fingers and has to relearn how to play, and it's almost like it sounds like to a point you had to like relearn to play the guitar as you, as opposed to playing the guitar as your influences play the guitar that's right tony iomi is brilliant by the way i I, and and in some ways um that accident was responsible for black sabbath sound like that that really dark and and foreboding sound is because he detuned and 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 the way that he played i have not detuned i haven't uh, adapted my guitar in any way shape or form i'm just playing the way that i'm playing but um there are things that I've, I've learned that I can do, um, that I, I didn't know before. Like for me now, uh, I really hate it if I cut my finger on my left hand, because it means I've, I'm now one finger less for, for playing guitar. Mm. And I did it one day, I, like really badly. I, um, I, I cut like a whole corner off the tip of my index finger cause I was just cooking and I was too, I was just going too fast, chopping up veggies <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Yeah, cut this big chunk out of my finger. Um, and while I was playing, because I still have to play, I still have to work, and it's so painful. Um, but I, I learned that there, if there was a note coming that required, say, that finger to to play, I immediately switched to, so sorry, that's my rude finger, but but I switched to my middle finger without even thinking now. Like, so if that one's injured and I'm down to two, oh, wow. then all of a sudden, like these two are doing all the work, um, it's like, you take a rest <laughs> and these will do it. But, but, but they, but I have to be fast in the, in the transition and, and it's weird. I don't even think of it. It's just, it's my brain doing that, those calculations in just a split second. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like someone doing, um, uh, it, it's not exactly like that, but, but, you know, like if someone doing a trick on a BMX bike, where they know exactly how much air they have to to get and how much uh, velocity and how ma- how many times they can flip and all that sort of stuff. In that moment, they know whether they're going to make it or they're not going to make it. It's the same sort of thing where your brain has just taken over and adapted for you. And when I noticed that, I was like, "Oh wow!" Uh, I, I I was just fascinated that that the 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 mind can do that. Yeah. Well, that speaks back to what you were saying earlier about wanting to understand how things work. Yeah. I mean, that's a prime example of like how in the world is my hand able to like adapt to that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um but yeah, look, it's good now and and, and people don't notice you now because I don't really draw too much attention to it on stage. Every once in a while you'll get you'll get people that, like who notice and and um they're they're okay. They they're curious and they you know, they want to ask you questions. It's it's kind of funny it depends on what, what kind of mood I'm in on the day. But um, there was a mother uh, who came up to me at a gig and she had two uh, small children 
And she goes, oh, do you mind if I ask? Because she, she, all of a sudden I'm a lesson. I'm a, I'm a, a teachable moment for <laughs> her kids. Uh, and she's going, do you mind? My, my, my kids were really um, curious as to how you lost your finger. And they're only small children. And I was like, I don't think they asked you that at all. Uh, I think she just wanted to know. And so I just looked at him and go, hey, kids, um, you've heard of Santa, right? Well, sometimes he takes things instead of leaving them. <laughs> and then, you know, that's when the mother just like, you know, both arms around the children and slowly backs away. <laughs> so, You've heard the story about the children who pick their nose too much, right? Uh, uh, no. This is what happens. <laughs> <laughs> that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's stuck. I can't get it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny when um, when it happened. Um, my coping mechanism is is humor, as I'm sure it is for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, like I got five minutes on it, you know, stand up, and it was good at first. But then uh, when I started having that crash, um, um, I sort of started getting a little bit bitter, and that's when I sort of stopped doing stand up for a while because. Yeah, it comes across, but I did the I did the jokes about it because I didn't like other people's jokes, and a lot of lot of reasons why I think comedians do what they do is because they're controlling what people are laughing at. Yeah. Um, so uh, most of the jokes that came through, um, like people say, it's, they they're not they're not terribly clever. In fact, they're not clever at all. It's like, oh, you lost your finger. Um, and I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, man, like can you be at least like, I don't know, um, original with it or, um, you know, like even even when I said it on Facebook because I was in shock, mm-hmm. uh, people were going, oh, did you look behind the couch? Because I said you know, I'd lost my finger. And uh, I was like, <laughs> and um, it was, I had to get to the stage where, because I was making jokes about everyone, thought they could do it as well. So I, I stopped doing that. But like, like that, I mean, you know, that there's a thing called the shocker. Uh, and uh, so, you know, like when I was doing stand up, I said, like, I had a permanent sex toy that I'm growing. <laughs> I, I, I call this move the, um, the amputeezer. <laughs> so, uh. And I know this isn't going to translate on a podcast, but it's like, you know, one of the jokes, one of my favorite ones is that um, as I couldn't be surprised anymore because, you know, people go, hey, cover your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you're looking through the gap. Podcaster note. Yeah. <laughs> there is a gap between his fingers and his eyes shining. Through. Yes. Yes. My beautiful blue eye. My blue eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Look at my winking eyes. <laughs> I I can't imagine you having to pick one thing, Al. I I love how everything works together and creates this creative chaos. Yeah. Where art comes out. I think it's awesome. Yeah, I have to stop, thank you. I I have to stop and and th- think about be mindful of things like that sometimes too because I don't always believe it of myself until I actually look back and go, "Dude, look what you just did. Look what you just achieved people like what you just did be happy with that and i've i've learned or i haven't really learned it yet but but to take the compliment and so when people say good job don't um pick apart what you did wrong 
in front of that person who just yeah. told you that they enjoyed what you do. It's so yeah, hard. Yeah, exactly. It is incredibly hard. <laughs> I know. I was like constantly battling with myself. And I, I, I did this um, uh, I did this really good course. There's a guy called Scott Williams and he teaches the Meisner method of acting. And uh, he is well-renowned, this guy. He does, he's worked with some uh, huge names. But he saw that I just could not get out of my own way at times as well. And, uh, and everything, because we were in a, like a learning environment, I was just so critical on myself. So if he actually had any notes for what I just did, my immediate go-to is to apologise. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, sorry. Yeah, no, I'll try. Yeah, no, you're right. No, it's like, and I, I need to back myself a lot more. I need to, you know, um, believe in what I do. And I, I, I can be supremely confident in some things. And then there's things I've been doing all my life that I still doubt the, the viability of it, mm-hmm. whether people are going to like it. Because people love telling you what they don't like about you. Yes. Uh, um, and, I mean, it's the same thing. Like when you, when you meet someone famous, you can't wait to tell someone what a prick they were, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or at least you do in Australia. And so it's really difficult to, to you know, get out of my own way and, and, and take it on board without actually thinking that I'm a failure, <laughs> believe it or not. You've shared some amazing bits of wisdom throughout this conversation is there something that you would want to leave the listener with who maybe they struggle with how they talk to themselves or uh, maybe they feel like they have to pick one thing instead of enjoying multiple pursuits? Um, the only advice I like career-wise, be diverse if you're in a creative environment um, because out of diversity you learn new skills and it informs what you like to do, like what, what your main passion will be. I think that you can find common ground in there as well. Don't be so hard on yourself. I mean, it's just still a lesson that I have not learnt, but I am mindful of it enough to the point where I can say, okay, mate, just calm down. <laughs> um, and Everything that you think is important now, if you're younger, if you're, if, you're, if you're in your 20s, everything that you think is important right now, I guarantee you in 20 years is not important at all. It is the most <laughs> in- insignificant <laughs> bullshit that, 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 like, so don't burden yourself with, with thinking that it's, it's, you know, the be all and end all because, yeah, I, I promise you everything changes. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you can still enjoy those things, but they're just not going to take the priority that you think they are. Like when, um, like, because I had to stop acting and and I stopped doing stand-up earlier in the 2000s because what I like to say is my priority changed because um, I had, um, you know, uh, children. And so I had to, uh, I didn't, unfortunately didn't have time to dedicate to a lot of free work (laughs) and you do that when you do stand up and and when you start doing voiceover too you're doing back then you were doing a lot of free work because um they want to see what you do and in a way they're training you so i guess they don't want to pay you to train you uh it's kind of like an internship so but unfortunately you know got to eat as well yeah is that, but yeah, don't be hard on yourself. That's what I can say. Get out of your own way if you can, when you remember to do it, 
And uh, because, oh, and get out of your comfort zone. That is the most important thing. Say yes instead of no and then work it out um, because um, I've learned and, and I've, I've seen a, a meme that actually describes this perfectly, but um, when you start saying yes, that's when the possibilities open up mm. and that's this meme is like, it's got a circle and it says your comfort zone and then an arrow that points out here where the magic happens, yeah. which is so true, so true. And my natural go-to instinct is uh, to say no. Like so if someone, like for me, guitar-wise, before the accident, um, someone wanted me to play, be the guitarist of a band. I was like, no. No, no, I'm not good enough to do that. Um, no, I get someone else. I'm just more of, you know, I'm more of a singer. Um, but when that person sort of really pressed the issue and and really um, insisted that I do it, I learned that it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Hmm. I learned, in fact, I, I was actually okay at it. It was good, and then I kept getting better and better and confident. So. Yeah, start saying yes. What's the worst that can happen? If the worst thing that happens is that you get, if you die and get injured, then don't do it. But if if it's something that's going to take you to um, something that you never thought would ever happen, like you know, I've gone like um, I was I was hosting trivia, and that led to a corporate MCing gig, yeah. you know, I, because I said yes to doing the trivia. And then I said yes to doing the corporate one, which I was quietly shitting myself about because <laughs> it was a lot of money. Um, because at that start, time too, like you got you to charge like you know what you're doing, uh, even though it was my very first one. Nice. I was, I was supremely confident in, in that I knew I could work it out, but I, I, but I was quietly shitting myself as well <laughs> in the meantime, <laughs> worried about it. But yeah, um, so from you know, you say yes first, and then work it out. Love it's, it. it's um it's overly simple, but it's true. Well, seeing as you're a someone who loves music, is there an album right now that you're just loving? Um, I'm I'm sort of living in the past at the moment, but that's okay. I it's not so much an albums I because I don't listen to individual albums anymore. Um, I'll, I'll listen to, cause I, I love Dua Lipa and, um, I, I, I don't mind like Lizzo. Lizzo is really good as well. Silk Sonic. Um, I'm just, I, I love, uh, musicians that are, uh, innovatively like in, embrace like new tech, new tech, but they're actually like good musicians as well as good singers. And, um, but Old albums, um, I'm still in love with Pink Floyd and Deep Purple, Black Sabbath still. Um, yeah. Ronnie James Dio was my one of my um, influences as a singer and and so was um, David Coverdale from uh, Deep Purple and Whitesnake. Oh, yeah. But, um, but yeah, and guitarist-wise and all this sort of stuff. I'm just, I'm rediscovering, what I'm done now too is um, just touching on a subject we talked about before. Sorry if I'm keeping you. Um, I pushed myself to learn some classic guitar solos like, um, you know, Sultans of Swing or um, Hotel California, uh, all that sort of stuff because all those things, all those songs, I never played them because I always thought they were beyond me mm-hmm. years ago. 
And then when I started believing uh, more in myself and my capabilities, I, that's what I started doing. And now I'm doing it with three fingers, you know, um, <laughs> it's like, I've really got something to prove, but only to myself. And so like my favorite song to end on, on a night is because people can't dance to it or well, they can, but it's a very slow dance is uh, comfortably numb. Yeah. Uh, and I do that because I, it really tells people that the show's over <laughs> <laughs> and, and at the end it's just such a, a beautiful solo. Yes. And, and people just think you're awesome. <laughs> Even though like yeah, Gilmore is more of a, a feel player. He's not a shredder. Uh, I'm certainly not a shredder. Uh, and so, you know, you can sustain these big, high emotional notes and, and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff as well. So, yeah, you've, you've tricked people into thinking that you're great. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing I heard about David Gilmore, I think, was Dave Mustaine of Megadeth who said, he can do more with one finger than most people can do with an entire fretboard. Yeah, it's true. He's he's um, an, an emotive player, and I, I I love that because that's when players are playing from I reckon from this soul. Yeah. Um. You know, like a um, Jeff Beck was amazing what the dude could do like i thought he was playing slide but he's using a whammy and picking with his fingers and bending it's like holy crap what he does is is so technically brilliant but sounds so natural and and moving like he did a an instrumental version of a day in the life of the beatles song and it's just it blew my mind uh how how moving it was but yeah and um one of my my um, influences as a guitarist, like everyone will say that the influence was um, like a, a famous guitarist or whatever. Mine was a guy that I grew up with mm. um, and he was in my first band and his name is uh, Parrish Hensley and he's just, just such a unique player and he he would go, he said, I'll show you what you can do. He's like, you can do an entire solo on one note. And you can bend it, you can do whatever you want with it, but you're just going to be on that one note and um, and that's it, like for the entire solo. And because you can convey, because you don't have to, you can do sort of like extended note or you can pick it angrily or whatever. You know, so, but, so, and he said, you've got to build a solo. And so he's old school in that way that he showed me how to start here. Oh, yeah, like, cool. yeah, we're just yeah. we're just fucking around down here. And then it's gonna, let's get a little bit serious <laughs> here. And then let's like show them what you really mean by the end of it. And and just builds into this this big solo. And that's where and he was influenced by Gilmore and Hendrix and yeah, all those sort of players as well. So it makes sense. Oh, and Jeff Beck, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he he's a just a, a beautiful player. Well, Al, thank you so much for reaching out and being on Getting Work to Work. Don't be a stranger. You're you're welcome back anytime. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. And again, I appreciate your kind words as well. Uh, yeah. So, but yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Speaking of impressions, do you want to sign off as Goff? Uh, <laughs> I don't think I've ever tried to do his voice. Uh, yeah, all right. Well, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Um, uh, so, um, uh, yeah, whoa, goodbye. <laughs> One of the quotes that I wrote down as I edited this show was when Al said, I've learned in life that things are a lot easier when you have no choice. 
And this was when he was talking about how he was relearning the guitar after losing his finger. And it got me thinking, what in your life do you need to recommit to? Because you just have to do it. Because there's no choice. And it doesn't have to be because of some drastic accident like Al had. But if we can take our work a little bit more seriously and give it the shot that it needs, what would happen? How would your life change? Maybe not at all, but maybe your creativity would soar. I encourage you to spend some time really thinking about that question and giving your creativity a shot as if there was no choice. It will be amazing what you learn. Until next time, may creativity and curiosity fuel your life.